and welcome to Northwoods Online. My name is Trey, and I'm so glad that you've chosen to be with us here this morning. We are continuing on in our series called Christmas Greatest Hits, and it has been so great. Now, at this point, if you are joining us, we just want to welcome you into the family, okay? If you are brand new, text the number that is coming across the screen with the word new now. And if you've been around the block, you've been here before, you know what I'm going to say next. Go ahead and take out that connection card and Fill it out. Let us know that you're joining us from online. And if you've been here before too, you know as well, to our online family, we have special features like the chat that is available just to you. Let us know where you're tuning in from. Let us know how you like your bacon in the morning, how you take your coffee, whatever it may be. And then as well, while you're in that chat, you can find a button that says request prayer. Now, if you have any need at all, whether it's big or small, we have prayer people that are just waiting they are waiting uh, on the edge of their seats to hear how we could be praying for you. So hit that button and we will get you the opportunity to pray with somebody. Now, I told you a lot of things this morning, but hey, we need to get to service. So go ahead, turn up your speakers and let's worship. Good morning, Northwoods. 2,000 years ago, the angels proclaimed the birth of the King, the Messiah, Jesus. Now it's our turn. Let's sing together. Was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. Noel, 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 born is that Star. 
church in this same spirit, I just want to invite you to lift your hands this morning. We're just going to surrender before our God. Father, we worship you today. You are worthy. You are most high. There is no one like you. We praise you today, Father. today. Thank you, Lord. And Father, thank you. Thank you that because of your gift of grace and life through Jesus Christ, Father, we can say you are worthy of our praise because you allow us to know you and have a personal relationship with you. And so, Father, I pray that, that if any here this morning the enemy wants to try to blind us to the reasons we have to praise you and thank you. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that those blinders would be removed and we would see you in your glory and say we worship you and we bow down and give you all the praise and the glory because you alone are worth it. And it's in that mighty name of Jesus Christ I pray. Amen. Well, folks, greet someone around you as you take your seat. And uh, we are so glad to have you with us this morning. So my name is Bruce, one of the pastors here. And on behalf of the entire staff of Northwoods, thank you for being with us. Whether you're here watching, whether you're watching online, we are so glad that you are here. And listen, if maybe this is your first time visiting Northwoods, we want to give you just an extra special welcome. Uh, we're glad you're here. And we just want to know how we can connect with you, answer any questions you have, and uh, be a support to you. So we want to encourage you to either text the word new to the number on the screen, or before you leave, just stop by one of our new here kiosks. And again, uh, we just want to know how we can come alongside you and support you. Uh, for the rest of us, thank you again for being with us this morning. We're glad you're here. We want to encourage you now to open up your Northwoods app. Go to that connection card. It's an opportunity for you to share any prayer requests you have. And please know we have a team of people ready to pray for every request that comes through. It's also a way for you to be aware of all the things going on at Northwoods and building upon some of the things I'm going to share with you this morning. Well, if you look around, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, right? And so that means the, the Christmas production is coming up. Now, speaking of Christmas, uh, I... How you doing on your shopping? You doing all right? I've decided to make it easy for myself this year. Uh, I'm getting everybody on my list the same thing. 
In fact, in my opinion, I think it's the best gift ever. I'm getting everybody a broken drum. You just can't beat it. So thank you. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, the Christmas production is just days away. Uh, December 15th through the 22nd, we have 10 shows. And listen, this is a phenomenal, it is an awe-inspiring uh, event that we just want to encourage you uh, to come and be a part of. Don't take my word for it. Take a look at the screen. Experience joy and wonder this Christmas. Northwoods Community Church presents a special musical production to celebrate the hope of the season. Ten free shows, December 15th through the 22nd. Gather your friends and get your free tickets online at northwoods.church. Every moment that goes into preparing is for the ultimate reason of being able to present the truth of Jesus Christ to those that come into our building. And so listen, we want to encourage you to think of the people that are in the path of your life. Uh, this is a great opportunity to get people here who maybe don't know Jesus Christ, who maybe would not normally come into a church. And so just consider praying about the people that you can invite to come and be part of this year's Christmas production. Every year, folks, we see hearts and lives changed for the gospel. And this year, someone you know and care about could be one of those lives. So we just want to encourage you to be a part of that. Well, with the production coming up, uh, things are going to look a little bit different here. And so I have uh, a housekeeping list. In fact, I have the official housekeeping list uh, here at Northwood. want to make sure that we are all aware of things that are taking place during our Christmas season. So again, the Christmas production will be December 15th through the 22nd. So that means on that Sunday, December 17th, instead of having a regular church service, we will actually be having two shows that day at 11 and 4. And then on Christmas Eve, which falls on a Sunday, uh, we will be having one church service here at 10 a.m. on our campuses. So one service on Christmas Eve at 10 a.m. And then a week later, all right, this is item number three. So on New Year's Eve, which is also on a Sunday, that is going to be our church at home weekend. Uh, so you're more than welcome to come hang out in our parking lot, but the rest of us, well, we want to encourage you to gather your family and friends and uh, join us online on New Year's Eve. And then finally, our church campuses will be closed from Christmas Day until January 4th. So the campuses will be closed, and then on the January 7th, uh, we will reconvene and we will kick off our 21 days of prayer and fasting. So Oh, that's our housekeeping list, I, and there's more of that again on our website as well. Well, folks, listen, uh, you hear it every week, and it's true. We are so thankful for your giving. Uh, your generous giving fuels every ministry here at Northwoods and what we're able to do uh, even around the world. So thank you so much. And we want to make it as easy as we can for you to give. You can give by text. You can give online. You can drop your giving off at any one of our secure giving stations around our campus. And just as a reminder, um, year-end giving for 2023 needs to be postmarked by December 31st. And so we just want to encourage you, if you're thinking about year-end giving, uh, if you have any questions, please call our church and our financial department. will be happy to answer any questions you have. Well, folks, we are continuing our greatest hits of Christmas series today. And we're going to be looking at a song uh, called A Song of Hope, otherwise known as Zechariah's Song. 
So at this time, we're going to look at that passage from Luke 1, and we're going to hear Zechariah's song. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation. Through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he publicly appeared publicly to Israel. Praise to the Lord God of Israel. He has paid ransom for us. House of David, he has restored salvation for
Northwoods, it's good to see you this morning. And uh, we give it up for Josh one more time as he led us in that song. You know, all these songs that we are working through over the next couple of weeks, they actually have arrangements that go with them. And so that's what we've done last week and this week. And we'll do that for the next two songs that we, uh, that we work through. And uh, again, it's great to be together today. We're continuing our series of greatest hits of Christmas. And since we're, we're talking about a song today, but it's really a song of hope, I want to take just a moment on the topic of hope. And I want to thank you, Northwoods, for how you have invested in the ministry, how, how your investment in this ministry has helped to bring hope to this community and all around the world to the good news of Jesus Christ. Just to, I want to just give you a snapshot of some of the ways that's happened this year. Through your giving, you've been a part of over 275 people finding hope as they've surrendered their lives to Christ this year. And with the Christmas production coming, we're excited to see God add to that number. You've been a part of 240 children, students, and adults professing their hope in Jesus through taking their next step in baptism. You helped this year bring hope to a single mom by taking care of her mortgage for 2023 and gifting her a newer, more reliable car. You helped bring hope to areas of Fort Worth, Texas and Surprise, Arizona through the planting of two new churches, Tribe City and Fort Worth Bible Church and many other locations that have experienced the hope of Jesus Christ through Northwoods Online. Just a few weeks ago, you helped bring hope to Jews and Arabs impacted by the war in Israel by providing $165,000 to provide for basic necessities in the name of Jesus. And church, you planted hundreds of churches globally around the world through our church planting partners. And listen, I could go on and share story after story after story, but what I want you to hear this morning is that your giving has helped multiply the impact of our ministries through the sharing of the good news of Jesus Christ. And as we come to the end of the year, I just wanna say thank you for investing uh, in the kingdom of God. And as we approach year end, you heard Bruce say it, many of you will, um, will be considering year end donations. And I just wanna encourage you to ask the Lord whether he would have you make a year end donation to Northwoods and be, a and be a part of continuing to provide hope through the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. It's really been a great year, and I'm looking forward to what God's gonna do in the coming days through the Christmas production. So church, why don't you just give yourselves a hand. Let's, I just wanna say thank you for how you've helped to provide hope this year. You know, around my house, we've been playing a lot of Christmas music. I know there's debates about when Christmas music should start, you know, before Thanksgiving, after Thanksgiving. Some of us think it should be punishable by fine if Christmas music starts before Thanksgiving. But in my house, we've been, we've been playing Christmas music, and recently our daughters have thought that, you know, washing the dishes, they, they, I don't know why they got into this, but washing the dishes and listening to classic Christmas music, they think it's the coolest thing ever. And so they're like, please bring us more dishes. And I'm like, okay, you, you just keep right on going. You keep right on going. And, and they love it. There's something about it. I don't know what it is, but they love it. And they have their favorites rocking around the Christmas tree, Jingle Bell Rock, Feliz Navidad. But you know, now that my children are soaking in the lyrics 
of classic Christmas songs, it's caused me to pay closer attention to what's being said in some of these songs. And you know what? There are some really weird Christmas classics. Have you ever noticed this? Uh, Santa Baby? Uh, awful. Uh, I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Now, listen, I just think it could be really confusing to kids probably, right? Grandma got run over by a reindeer? Like hoof prints on her forehead? I mean, can we be honest? It's just wrong on a lot of levels. So Christmas hits. You probably have your favorites. There's some good ones. There's some bad ones. They play on the radio, in the background of movies, the malls. But for all the Christmas hits, I think the ones we hear and read in Scripture get very little airtime. And as we've been talking about in this series, there's really four songs that surrounded the very first Christmas, maybe five or six if you count a few honorable mentions. But last week, we looked at the first one, which was Mary's song. And it often goes with the title, the, the Magnificat. And the title comes from the song's first words in the, the Latin Vulgate, which is the Latin translation of the Bible. So this morning, you just heard the second song read, which is Zechariah's song, which goes by the Latin name uh, Benedictus. Now, there is a book of the Old Testament named after Zechariah the prophet. But the Zechariah we're talking about today is, is, a, this is a different Zechariah. Now, before we jump into this song, I want to give you a little bit of backstory uh, so you kind of understand what's led up to this song as we read it today. So if you read the first chapter of the book of Luke, we find that Zechariah was a priest. He was married to Elizabeth, who also had a father who was a priest. And the Bible says that they were both righteous, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. And from what we can gather, they had always wanted to start a family, but so far it hadn't happened for them. Elizabeth had never been able to conceive, and now at this point the Bible simply says they were very old. Now, I'm not going to take a stab at what age constitutes very old this morning, but I think it's safe to say Zachariah was a card-carrying AARP member. He and Elizabeth were getting all the senior citizen discounts at the local restaurants, and they were past childbearing years. But one day, Zachariah was on duty in the temple, and an angel appears to him. That's part of what you saw on the screen during the song. The angel Gabriel appears to him, saying that his wife, Elizabeth, Zachariah's wife, Elizabeth, would become pregnant and give birth to a son whom they are to name John. And this son, John, would prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. Well, you can understand Zechariah, who's, again, he's their long past childbearing age. He just couldn't understand how this could happen. And so in one of those moments where he should have just smiled and nodded, thumbs up, yes, he spoke, and he said, basically, I have a hard time believing this could happen. Can't blame him, but basically the angel says, because you didn't trust this word from God, you will be unable to speak until this child is born. And so for the next nine months, Zechariah could not speak. Silence. Now, I'm really stretching for an application here, but I think there is one, especially for men, 
might even say if you're a married man, take notes because sometimes it's best to just smile and nod and say, mm-hmm, good. Zechariah opened his mouth and talked and he got punished for it for nine months. So us men know sometimes it's better to just go, yep, mm-hmm. So you save yourself a lot of grief. So nine months go by, the baby is born, John's born, and on the eighth day, they're about to circumcise the boy and name him after his father, which was pretty standard. You know, we're gonna get a, maybe a Zachariah Jr. here. But Zachariah writes on a tablet, his name is John. And upon writing this immediately, the Bible says his, his voice returns, his tongue is loosed, and he begins to praise God. And what comes out of his mouth is really a song of hope. And as I listen to this song basically on repeat for the last week, Zechariah speaks of the coming of Jesus as bringing hope for our hurts. They might ask, how does the coming of Jesus bring hope to our hurts? I wanna show you four ways and we find this in this song. Here's the first way the coming of Jesus brings hope to our hurts. It brings hope when you feel deserted. Brings hope when you feel deserted. Now I feel thoroughly deserted at Christmas, like with all the desserts, but that's not the desserts we're talking about here. We're, we're talking about the times when we feel alone or abandoned. So between the Old Testament in your Bible and the New Testament, I mean, you just flip a page at the end of the Old Testament and you're to the New Testament, there are what many have called the silent years. Between the book of Malachi and, and the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there were 400 years of divine silence. No scripture was recorded, no prophets were raised up, and it appeared that God went silent. That doesn't mean he wasn't active during this time, but it did appear that he went silent. Now, all the Jews at this time knew that God had promised he would send a Messiah to save them. So you can imagine with every passing year, they were thinking, is this the year? Year comes to an end, okay, maybe next year. Is this the year? Nope, okay, maybe next year. You know, as best as I can think how to kind of bring what this would have been like into present day, I thought it would be similar for Bears fans. You know, Bears fans are constantly thinking, is this the year? And then that year goes by, is, sorry, I had to put it there. Us, us Packer fans have been there too. Um, it's, you know, for us, it's a Super Bowl. For Bears fans, it's just been, is this the year that we're even good? Um, but you get, this is where they're at, okay? Is this the year? But you can imagine as the years wore on, it could have felt like God had deserted them. You do that, is this the year for 400 years? You begin to think, God, where are you? Say something. Do something. Give me, I mean, give us a sign that you're still here. You're still there. Have you ever felt as if God has left you, deserted you? Maybe today you're here and you've been crying out to God only to be met with deafening silence. You're saying, God, this is the time of my need. And it feels like you're nowhere to be found. Well, Zechariah's song reminds us that God will never desert, abandon his plan or his people. So Zechariah is holding his, 
his newborn son, John, but he knows that John will prepare the way for the Messiah. And so he sings of what the coming of the Messiah means. And look at what he says, Luke 1, the beginning of his song, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people. Some translations say he has visited his people and redeemed them. Redeemed means to, to buy back, to set free from penalty of sin. He says he has come to his people. And at Christmas, we're reminded that God has not and will not abandon his people. And we all need to be reminded today that God will never leave us nor forsake us. He has come, he has given us his Holy Spirit to be with us, and he is coming again one day. He has come to us, he's with us. You know, I couldn't help but think of the, the classic poem, Footprints in the Sand. Many of us know it. it. reads, one night I dreamed a dream as I was walking along the beach with my Lord. Across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to, the, to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand, and I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you the most, you would leave me. And he whispered, my precious child, I love you, and I will never leave you, never ever during your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. See, there will be times when it feels like we're walking all alone. Maybe you feel like that this Christmas season. People throughout Scripture have felt this way. But through Zechariah's song, we're reminded that God has not deserted us. He has not abandoned his people. He always comes to his people. And because of this, we have hope. Even when we feel deserted, God is with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Let me show you another way that Zechariah's song brings hope when we're hurting. It, it brings hope when you feel defeated. So it brings hope when you feel deserted. It brings hope when you feel defeated. You know, I probably never felt more defeated than when I began taking Greek II in my graduate studies. Remember, there was one night when I was looking over the upcoming coursework that I had coming my way and I literally just started crying. I, I, was, I, I was out of the sense of, I can't do this, and if I can't do this, I won't graduate, and if I don't graduate, I'm a failure. Like, I was feeling completely defeated, overwhelmed. You ever been there before where it feels like, you know what, I, you've lost, and there's absolutely no hope? Well, good news. Zachariah's song reminds us that there is hope even when we feel defeated. Look what he goes on to say. Uh, he says, he has raised up a horn of salvation. Now, I'm going to come back to that. Speaking about Jesus here, he's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. Remember, we know the Bible said that Jesus would come through 
house of David. He'd be descendant of David, as he said through the holy prophets long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us. Now, we're going to come back to this idea of Jesus being the horn of salvation. But first, I want you to see, Zechariah goes on to say why he has raised up a horn of salvation. He continues to show mercy to our ancestors. Then he says to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. Then he says to rescue us from the hand of our enemies. And he says to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. So God has raised up a horn of salvation to, to show mercy, to remember his covenant. He's, he's faithful to keep his promises, to rescue us, to enable us to serve. Okay, now we could get into each of those, but just because of time's sake, I, I want to really take us back to the image of Jesus as our horn of salvation. This is something I've really been spending a lot of time on and it's, it's just been such a great picture for me. Because you know, a horn can be a musical instrument, but a horn can also be the weapon of an animal. You know, growing up, I used to go to the Iowa State Fair a lot and many years during our time there, we would go to the cattle barn where you could see all different breeds of cows. And almost always, there are several breeds that have large horns. Like, you know, they'd have the kind of the Texas longhorn type uh, cows. There'd be, I don't know what the other breeds were called, but they had horns. So their backs are pretty much standing almost as tall as me. Necks are as big as a barrel. And standing amongst them, I'd always find myself thinking, so, so what happens if one of these things gets angry in here? I just got an idea. These little gates you got around them, like it ain't, it ain't going to stop them. And this is the idea in the passage. I think there's a sense in which it's speaking of the horns of a, of a large animal, drawing on the imagery of the horns of a large animal. Except, instead of cattle, I think it could be drawing on the imagery of a wild ox. So here's a picture of a, a wild ox. You see the horns of a, a wild ox. And this imagery is used in the Bible elsewhere. For example, Balaam when he is summoned to curse Israel and couldn't, says this to King Balak in, in Numbers 23. He said, God brings them, speaking of Israel, out of Egypt and is for them like the horns of a wild ox. Another place where Zechariah may have picked up this imagery, Psalm 92, verses 9 and 10, for surely your enemies, Lord, surely your enemies will perish. All evildoers will be scattered. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. So what I want you to see is that horns can, in the Bible, represent might and power. One pastor referring to the horn of salvation said this, it's not hard to imagine that the horn of the wild ox became for the ancient Near Eastern people who had no cars, tanks, or motors, became a sign of tremendous strength and a means of victory in conflict. And so when we feel defeated, we must remember the horn. Remember, we have a horn of salvation. Jesus is our horn of salvation. He's our victory. And ultimately, he defeated our spiritual foe, Satan. He's delivered us from Satan and transferred us into the kingdom 
of God. He's won a total total victory. You know, in C.S. Lewis's book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there's a part where Father Christmas gives Susan a horn. This horn is one that you can make noise with. And the horn, if you've ever read this or seen the movie, would be, would be used in times of emergency to call for help. And so when he gave her the horn, he said this, when you put this horn to your lips and blow it, then wherever you are, help will come to you. And I use that to say, in those moments when you find yourself, like me several years back, in tears because you think you've lost and it's game over, I want you to remember you have a horn. You have a horn of salvation in Jesus. He is your victory. He is your strength. He is your help. He will uphold you Call on him. We have a horn of salvation. And at Christmas, we're reminded, because of Jesus, we have hope, even when we feel deserted, even when we feel defeated. Here's another way the coming of Jesus brings us hope. Way number three, it brings us hope when we feel detested. Another question, have you ever felt as if God dislikes you or we could say detests you. Maybe because of something you've done or maybe something has happened to you that's led you to believe, well, if this has happened to me, it just, mean that it, just, it just means God must not be a big fan of me. Well, Zachariah's song has something to say about that as well. Now in this portion of scripture, he, he shifts to his son, John, who again, is not the point, but he is the pointer to Jesus, and he says, and "And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. You know, I want to stop there. I was just, this is kind of a sidebar. I was talking to a friend the other day. I think they're actually talking about this in our children's ministry this week, but I thought it was a good word. John the Baptist came to prepare the hearts of people for the coming of Jesus. And as we're thinking about preparing the way for him, it's just a good reminder that as we approach Christmas, yes, you're going to prepare your tree, you're going to prepare desserts, you're going to prepare gifts, you're going to prepare all these different things. But let's make sure we prepare our hearts this Christmas for what it means. So John came to prepare the way for Jesus. And then he said, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. The tender mercy of our God. So here it talks about God forgiving our sins because of his tender mercy. Now, during my freshman year of college, I lived in a dorm. This was a Christian college, and we had two, there were two main rules that Freshmen and basically everyone else were had to abide by. You had to have your room clean, bed made, at least once a week for room check. And it was really, I thought this was really mean, but they would withhold toilet paper if your room was not clean. Like they wouldn't put, I don't know if like the college was hurting for money, but there were not toilet paper in the bathrooms. They would put toilet paper on your pillow and that was what you had for the week. And so, like, if you didn't have your room clean, you were sneaking to other people, other someone else's room, 
and stealing their toilet paper. But your rooms had to be clean and you know your bed made for check once a week. Then freshmen had a curfew of 11 p.m. You had to be in the dorm by 11 o'clock. And if you failed to adhere to any of these rules, you were written up and you were given this pink slip that said gratis on the top. And gratis meant you had to do an hour of work around the dorm, basically for free. They're not going to pay you for it. And if you didn't want to work, you could pay $25. And I think it was $25. I actually asked my wife last night, was it $25? And she said, well, John, I never got a pink slip, so I wouldn't know. Um, It's one of those times where I just smiled and nodded. Um, (laughs) So you can pay $25. And long story short, I know it's going to be really hard for you to believe this, but I had a room in my dorm where we had taped up all of our pink slips. So I had racked up a pretty big debt by the end of my freshman year. I had a pretty substantial fee in the amount of several hundred dollars from gratis slips I hadn't satisfied. Most of them were because at some point, me and my roommate were just like, we give up. We're not cleaning our room, whatever. We'll just let it, let it be. So I owed a debt. And I couldn't sign up for my classes for my sophomore year until it was satisfied. So that summer, I had to call the school, and I began to talk with the new dean of students who had just taken over in the past month. His name was Dean Scully. And I don't know what came over him, but Dean Scully on the phone with me said, John, you know what? I'm the new dean here, and I'm going to give you a fresh start. This is a fresh start for me at this college. I'm going to give you a fresh start. And so I'm going to forgive your debt and wipe the slate clean. You don't know anything. I was like, you are my new favorite dean. I said something to the effect of, I love you, man. So he forgave my debt. And this passage reminds us that not only did God forgive the debt we owed because of our sin, a debt we could never pay, by the way, but he did it because of the tender mercy. It says the tender mercy of our God. You know, that word tender in, in the Greek really speaks to the idea of, uh, of almost our bowels. It's kind of a weird picture, but it speaks to the idea of someone feeling something in the very core of their being, deep within them. And so it's saying God felt so deeply for us, so deeply for you, that it moved him to act in mercy, meaning to not give us what our sin deserves. In other words, God loves you. He does not detest you. He loves you. You know, I I came across this this week, the longest and probably simplest love letter ever written was from a Parisian painter named Marcel de Leclerc in 1875. So it was addressed to Magdalene de Villalor. I'm not sure how to say that. The letter contained one phrase, and I'm going to butcher this. I looked it up in French last night, and I've just forgotten. I think it's je vous vous aime. Is how you say I love you in French, je vous aime. So the letter contained that phrase, je vous aime. That means I love you. 1,875,000 1,875,000 times. So he took the year 1875 
times a thousand, and that's how many times he had I love you written in this letter. Now, he was smart because he didn't write the letter himself, but he hired a scribe. And he could have just said, I thought this was interesting, write I love you 1,875,000 times. But he dictated the letter word for word and had the scribe repeat it back to him and then write it. So he'd say, je vous aime, I love you. The scribe would say, I love you. And then the scribe would write it. So basically, it's, it's, I love you, I love you, I love you. is happening three times for every one time it's being written. So if you think about that, that, by the time that letter was finished, that word, I, that phrase, I love you, had been said and or written five, over five million times. That's, that's a lot of love. That's probably... Um, I don't know what got into that guy, but holy cow, he must have really loved his wife. But I want you to get something. We think of that as like, man, that's, that's the longest love letter ever. That guy must have really loved his wife. I want you to get something. That still falls short of God's love for you and for me. He felt so within the depth of himself, so deeply, it says, tender mercy that it moved him to extend mercy and send his son Jesus Christ to this earth to pay the penalty for our sins. And so I want you to be reminded this morning from the scripture that God looks at you with eyes of love. When you feel detested, remember Christmas. Look at Christmas. God so loved us that he extended mercy that we could be forgiven and have our sin debt erased. We could be forgiven and set free and live with him forever. God loves you. And any other voice that tells you otherwise, that's not the voice of God. So how does the coming of Jesus at Christmas bring hope to our hurts? Well, it, it, it brings hope when we feel deserted. It brings hope when we feel defeated brings hope when we feel detested. And then I would say, way number four, it brings hope when you feel depressed. Now, the Bible makes the case that without Jesus, we are living in the dark and without hope. But I want you to look at what Zechariah goes on to say as he closes out this song. So it says that he, because of the tender mercy of God, then it goes on, by which the rising of the sun, which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Jesus is the light of the world. And at Christmas time, we're reminded that the light has come. Now you say, how does that bring us hope? Well, what does light do? Well, look at this passage again. I'm going to have him put it back up on the screen, this very last passage. It says, he has come to us. The sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. So darkness is equated, can be equated with death. I think we could say light, then the opposite is equated with life. So light brings life. 
And I was reading about this just yesterday, seasonal affective disorder. We know this is a real thing. Many of us experience it during this time of year. Why? Well, one of the reasons is because of the shorter days and less light. So without light, we can begin to feel sad and depressed. And it's really a testament to the importance of light and how our bodies react to the absence of it. In fact, yesterday, uh, I was, uh, was kind of feeling it, and I found myself on my phone looking at flights to places where there's a lot of sunshine. And all of a sudden, I stopped, and I was like, what am I doing? I'm not planning to go anywhere. I looked at my wife, and I'm like, I think I just want to see the sun. And then I came in this morning, it was gloomy, and I was like, I, I, uh, I called one of our team members, and I said, listen, you got to turn the Christmas lights on outside. I just need to see some light. We ain't seen the sun for a few days. And, you know, one of the prescribed treatments for those who struggle during this time of year is light therapy. Light therapy in which people sit in the presence of, we call it, some people call them happy lights, bright lights. And as I was thinking about that, I just had the thought that, you know what? We should all regularly practice light therapy, except I'm meaning where we spend time with the light of the world, Jesus Christ, sitting at his feet, soaking up his word, spending time in prayer, and, and turning on the worship music. Light brings life. And so if you're struggling, feeling down during this time of year, let me just prescribe as your pastor some light therapy, spending time with Jesus Christ, the light of the world. So light brings us life. Light also brings direction. Look what it says again in the scripture. He says, to shine on those living in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. So we could say light brings life. Light brings direction. Came across an article a while ago titled, With Nothing to Guide Their Way, People Really Do Walk in Circles. So researchers gave people a GPS and then had and then examined the walking trajectories of people in two different areas, the Sahara Desert and a, uh, the Beanwald Forest in Germany. And they instructed them, I want you to do your best to walk in a straight line for several hours, and we'll just track you. And the study went on to find that participants were only able to keep a straight path when the sun or moon was visible, so when they had a light source. However, as soon as a light source disappeared to so the sun went behind some cloud, people would start to walk in circles without even noticing it. In other words, it seems that without light as a point of reference, we end up walking in circles. And most of the time, we don't even know it. See, Jesus is our light. And he has not only guided us into the path of peace with God through salvation, but the peace of God. If you need peace, you need joy, you need hope, keep your eyes on the light. Jesus Christ, he's the one who will guide you into it. And when you do, when you keep your eyes on the light, you will find it brings hope. It'll bring hope when you feel deserted. Hope when you feel defeated. Hope when you feel detested and hope when you feel depressed. 
And so as we close this morning, we're going to come around the communion table again together. We do this every month. So if you have your elements, you can grab those now. Those of you joining us from somewhere else today, you can grab your elements, whatever you might have around. And as we come to the table again, we're reminded that we have hope because of Jesus Christ. Because on the cross, he paid the penalty that you and I deserve. And the Bible says that whenever we eat of the bread and drink of the cup, we proclaim his death until the day we see him again. There's hope. He is coming again. His spirit is with us now and he is coming. So the Bible said that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, broke it, and said, this is my body. Broken for you. It's a reminder, this was done for you. Why? Because he loves you. This is my body broken for you. Do this, remember you eat of it in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. And then we know the Bible says that after supper, he took the cup and said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake. Thank you, Jesus. Church, as we close, I want to ask you to stand. And you know, in this moment, I just, I just sense that I, you know, this can be a, this can be a hard time. The year for people, and so I just want to say this right now: if you're here, and you would just say, you know what, I'm struggling to find hope, I'm struggling to find joy, peace during this time of year. If you don't mind, I just want to, I just want to ask you to put your hand up. And if you see a hand, you don't have to you don't have to move or go anywhere, but if you see a hand around you, I want you to just lay a hand on that person next to you. Let's just join our hearts in prayer. Lord, I thank you. That you said you will never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus, you said, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Jesus, I pray right now that you would come and touch 
every person that has raised their hand this morning, that you would come and touch their heart, that you would touch their mind, that you would speak to their heart, Lord. Remind them that you are with them, that you love them, that you're their victory, and that you're going to see them through. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the light of the world. Thank you that we have hope, and I pray, Lord, during these next several weeks that we would keep our eyes on you, and I pray that the joy of the Lord would rise up in our lives, Lord. Pray the joy of the Lord would be our strength today, Father. I thank you for that. I thank you for how you encourage our hearts when we come together and hear your voice, hear your word. And so, Lord, I just pray your blessing over every single person listening today. I pray you would touch their hearts, Lord. Give us hope. Fill us afresh with hope in only the way that you can. And we're going to give you all the praise and all the glory. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give the Lord praise for what he's done this morning. Thank you, Lord. Church, listen, if you need prayer, if you're here today and you say, man, I would love someone to come pray with me, we'll have a prayer team down front. No matter what it is, we would love to pray with you. Same thing if you're joining us uh, uh, online or somewhere else. Guys, thanks so much for being here, and we'll look forward to seeing you back next Sunday.